from Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm your host, Amanda Icone. All those annoying ads that pop up on your screen while you are listening to your favorite music service, and those tempting product placements that sneak their way into your social media feeds are generating billions of dollars in revenue. But that money is not finding its way into state coffers to pay for services like schools, roads, and public health. As state legislative sessions open up for the year, lawmakers are eyeing the $125 billion digital advertising market as a tempting source for tax revenue to plug widening budget gaps created by the pandemic. The landmark Supreme Court decision in South Dakota v. Wayfair laid a foundation for the 45 sales tax states to collect revenue on e-commerce transactions via remote sellers. Now the states have their sights set on tax revenue from the billions that tech companies earn from digital advertising and the sale of personal information, something no state has been able to do yet. But that could soon change. Six states, including Maryland, West Virginia, and Nebraska, have introduced legislation that would target the sale of consumer data or digital ads, dipping into the profits of tech giants like Amazon and Netflix. Darcy Koiker is a partner with Armenino based in Washington State, where she focuses on state and local sales and use taxes. She joined me to discuss what's driving states to take on big tech companies and the hurdles these efforts face. The states are creating new laws or even sometimes adapting old laws uh, that are intended to fit tangible personal property, Um, uh, typically uh, in in a a brick and mortar situation where the uh, customer walks in the door, purchases a good and uh, pays for the good along with sales tax. So those old laws are now being applied to uh, current scenarios where goods and services are digital. A number of states have already applied sales taxes to this, the e-commerce transactions that go across state lines. And now we have a, at least what, six states that have introduced legislation that would add that to a new type of economic transaction, right? Advertising. And I wonder, you know, to your comparison to the bricks and mortar taxes, unlike retail goods, I mean, are there taxes on advertising currently? I mean, are there taxes on advertising that you see in newspapers or magazines or that you hear on the radio? Is is there a precedent there? Generally, no. And that is because advertising is protected by the First Amendment. And so in most cases, um, there is not going to be a sales tax on advertising revenues. Um, However, some states are starting to um, consider that uh, advertising revenues in a generated through a newspaper or maybe on television are different from advertising revenues that are generated over the internet. And so states are seeing that uh, the the big shift in advertising revenue from uh, the historical uh, methods into the internet, and that the dollars are very, very large uh, for advertising. And they're trying to figure out how they can subject those dollars to sales tax. You noted in a blog post recently that these the states that have 
already proposed some legislation that would tax this type of activity aren't typically at the front of the pack, paving the way for new tax policy or new tax initiatives. What's driving these states and what do they have in common? The, the states are wanting revenue. And so I think that uh, the states are just looking at new ways to uh, challenge the, the status quo of sales tax on tangible personal property and coming up with, with creative ideas saying, hey, there's there are these new services out there and or with the implementation of the Wayfair case in uh, 2018, allowing states to subject sellers to sales tax, even if the seller has no physical presence in a state, this has really created a wave of opportunity for states to create new taxpayers that are not voters in the state and uh, subject them to sales tax collection and remittance responsibilities. Budget gaps are also an issue this year, right? I mean, I think Pew Research reported this fall that budget losses due to the pandemic's effects could total $200 billion for the states. To your point about Wayfair sort of opening the door for, for these types of taxes, I mean, is how, how much of a motivator are these pandemic-related budget gaps, or is there more to it than that? I think it's just the states seeing, number one, that there are new revenue streams that are available for taxing. Um, Another factor here is that we just got through a very large election. And so perhaps they've had this idea, the states, for a while, um, but they wanted to get through the election, not making voters mad um, by imposing new taxes before an election. And so that's where I predict that in 2021, once all the now that all the dust is settled uh, with the elections, that uh, the states are are more willing to um, uh, pass laws to impose these taxes. And needless to say, also the pandemic and the state budgets are suffering, um, needing additional revenues. And so this is a relatively easy and attractive revenue stream for them to subject sales tax on. So, so far, uh, we've heard from trade groups that, that, that represent media and tech companies who might be subjected to these sales taxes. They uh, oppose such moves. Uh, same with conservative groups that typically favor limited taxation. Uh, aside from business opposition, what legal pitfalls will states face um, in order to successfully implement these tax proposals? I think you mentioned earlier that traditional print advertising, radio advertising is considered protected speech. Well, it, you know, How big of a, a hurdle might that be for some of these tax proposals? Right. So that's going to be a constitutional issue and the lawyers are going to have a lot of fun um, arguing about that, uh, looking at prior court precedents um, and, and arguing about the constitutionality of it. Uh, there are just other legal uh, premises to, to jump through and, and to address. Uh, number one would be the Internet Tax Freedom Act, which is a national law that was imposed to protect 
the, the budding uh, internet economy um, many, many years ago, but the law is still in place. And essentially what it says is that a, a good or a service that is being sold through the internet cannot be taxed differently than the same good or service being sold in an analog mode uh, through a brick and mortar store, for example. Another challenge is going to be just the, the sourcing of the transactions. And sourcing, we mean uh, which state uh, does this transaction fall into? Mm. And it, it's very uh, pretty simple when we're dealing with sales of tangible personal property, when you get the, the nice brown box on your doorstep, uh, that is uh, your doorstep is the location of the transaction and that state's uh, laws apply to uh, whether sales tax is imposed or not on your purchase of those goods. However, when we have the more, more nebulous and, and intangible advertising revenue, where is that revenue source to? Um, you know, I may be sitting here in Washington state and looking at um, advertisements on my laptop, but what if I travel to New Jersey um, and, and view those same advertisements? Where is the revenue generated from, from looking at the advertisements? Because people are mobile, and it's just really hard to source these types of intangible transactions. One methodology could be just to say, well, we'll take the total advertising revenue times the uh, state population uh, to the total United States population, create a ratio and allocate the, the revenue that way if there's no other means. But this is where things are going to get very sticky in terms of how to source the revenue. Um, states may be fighting and they may even pass laws creating different sourcing methods as we see for state income tax purposes that uh, there may be more than one state claiming that they can subject the uh, advertising revenues to sales tax based on different sourcing methodologies. You, you mentioned earlier that you expect to see more activity on this front now that the 2020 election is over. Um, a lot of state legislatures will be meeting in the coming weeks. Um, where do you think that we'll likely to see these proposals really take root? I mean, for who's first at bat, I guess, is another way to say, put it. <laughs> Well, well, the, the states that already have some proposed legislation that have, have tried uh, in the, the previous year to impose tax, uh, those are probably the ones where we will see the action quickest. However, uh, states talk, and it is very likely that a state that isn't even on our radar yet is looking at the other states that have already proposed legislation and has uh, some some bills being drafted to that are, are piggybacking off of what other states are doing and uh, may introduce those here in the, the legislative session in, in early 2021. What other alternatives might states consider other than a, maybe a direct tax on digital ads to either fill those budget gaps or 
begin to modernize their tax codes. You know, Oregon, for example, uh, adopted a gross receipts tax that took effect for the first time this year to raise funding for schools there. Will we see other, should we expect to see other similar efforts in other states? The Oregon has a, a, a business income tax as well as a personal income tax. And then they adopted the, um, the, the cat tax as well, the gross receipts tax recently. Uh, interestingly, Oregon does not have a sales tax. So Oregon needed some additional revenue because they, they don't have the sales tax revenue coming in that, that other states are so greatly benefiting from uh, due to the rise of the internet sales and economic nexus. And so it's interesting, other states may look at the gross receipts tax and say, hey, um, maybe that's a good idea for us to adopt as well, because when revenues are down for businesses, income taxes don't generate a lot of money because they're, they're based on net income. Whereas gross receipts taxes are, are just based on the, the top line revenue without deductions. And so gross receipts taxes tend to do well in down economies compared to income taxes. So other states may look at Oregon and say, hey, that's kind of smart. We'll get money in good times through income taxes. We'll get money in bad times through gross receipts taxes. Maybe we should have both. You know, we're talking about Wayfair and we're talking about um, technology companies and, and the way digital advertising has become a very different thing than than the advertising of the, the 20th century. And and that's this idea of modernizing the tax code. I mean, diversifying tax revenue. Oh, that's a great question, Amanda. So yes, the states have to um, modernize their sales tax laws. Most states adopted sales taxes starting in the 1930s. And the laws today are still based upon the economy in the 1930s. And so it is a challenge for the states now to figure out how to change their laws uh, to tax these new digital goods and services. For example, uh, one company is selling services through the internet and they need to know where their customers are in order to charge sales tax in the states that tax this service. But their salespeople are saying, hey, we don't want our customers to spend too much time in the order process uh, typing in all of their address information because they may get frustrated and stop. So we want the order process to be as quick as possible and if minimizing the information the customer has to put in. Uh, for example, if the customer only has to put in their zip code um, to identify their location, that speeds the order processing. The problem there for sales tax purposes is just having a zip code doesn't get you to the, doesn't have enough information to identify the correct sales tax rate for the location where the customer is. And so there could be problems where the seller is either over or undercharging the customer sales tax because they haven't collected enough information. Other sellers are saying, I don't even want the customer to input their uh, zip code. We'll go off of IP addresses that we collect 
from the customer and assume that that is where they are located. Uh, that too creates some, some challenges in uh, making sure that the, the sales tax is being charged correctly. Uh, because what if I'm on my work computer ordering, um, uh, doing some shopping after hours, and uh, my work computer's IP address is at the, the headquarters location of my company, uh, but I'm physically located several states away. So those are some of the challenges with uh, uh, sellers correctly identifying the, the right sales tax rates and then being able to defend their positions in an audit. Thank you so much, Darcy. Darcy Koiker is partner with Arminino based in great state of Washington. Thank you, Darcy. Thanks, Amanda. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And share your thoughts with us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax, that's at T-A-X. Talking Tax is produced by Amanda Icone and David Schultz. Kathy Larson is our editor. Special thanks this week to Mike Bologna and Trip Baltz for their assistance. And thanks for listening to this week's edition. From Washington, I'm Amanda Icone. This is Adam Ellington, and I'm here to announce a new season of Uncommon Law, a narrative podcast series from Bloomberg Law. My co-hosts and I will speak with African-American attorneys and hear their perspectives on how big law is, or in some cases, isn't adapting to become more diverse and inclusive. It's not fair, but what can be better than being on the front lines of helping to make this country better for all of us? If not us, who? If not now, when? Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts.